morning. This man who needs amazing kind of grace. 
Church. Our preacher for today is our senior pastor, Justin Holcomb, and on behalf of him and the rest of the folks at Eastwood, we want to give a hearty welcome, especially to those of you that are visiting with us today. Hopefully when you came in this morning, you were given a Connect card, looks something like this, and we'd like for you to fill it out and either place it in the offering plate when it comes by or hang on to it and bring it to the uh, Visitor Center, which is out through these doors after our services, and we have a, uh, uh, a gift for you that we'd like to, uh, to give you. And to the rest of you that are present, we're extremely glad you're here. To those of you that are listening uh, online as well, I'm going to pray, and then you're going to stand up and greet one another. Amen? Father, we thank you for this day and your care over us. Father, what a day it is to be in your presence and to be with brothers and sisters in Christ, to be with friends and neighbors, and to meet new folks that we've never experienced before. Father, make this the best day that we've experienced in a long time. And Father, we want to see and hear from you today. We expect that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand and greet one another. Thank <laughs> you. 
We'd like to take a moment to recognize our veterans. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. And I'm so thankful to live in a country and in a state where we can serve a risen Savior without fear of anyone walking in and stopping us. Not everyone has that opportunity. So tonight, or today rather, we're going to celebrate you. We're going to have the band play a medley, an armed forces medley here. And when you, your, when your particular branch of service song is played, we'd ask that you would stand up and then sit down and at the end we will recognize all our veterans. We've got some in the band and I think some in the choir as well. So uh, we'll give a moment to honor our veterans. So does everybody understand when you hear your song, stand up and uh, we're gonna have a good time, all right?
Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I just want to say personally to all of our veterans, thank you so much as you have hopefully felt the gratitude from this assembly today. We just again say thank you for the way you've served our great nation and all those who are serving right now, even as we worship, we pray for them and trust that God would protect them, bring them all home safely as well. So good to see you at Eastwood. We're just going to keep on worshiping. Our ushers are going to come right now. And through their coming down to the front, we are going to give you the chance to give to the work that is being done right here at Eastwood and the work that is being done all over the world through our missionaries. And I know God will bless you for giving. So can we pray together one more time today? Father, we love you. Um, Thank you for this day. God, so many things that are occurring just in this worship time, uh, celebrating our veterans, Um, some emotions uh, that are occurring today. But Lord, help us just to put all that stuff aside and to lift you up because more than anything, oh God, this is your day. The day in which we gather together to worship King Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the one who has loved us enough to come and die for us and arise again so that we could be saved, so we could have victory. So God, we honor you as well. Bless our time together. In the name of Jesus and by faith we pray. Amen. When I'm feeling afraid Full of uncertainty When the plans that I made All fall apart When my future's unclear all that I can do is wait. There is a promise echoing in my heart that He will be faithful to the end. He will Oh 
Well, today is a, a bittersweet day for myself and my family. And before I ever even say anything this morning, I want to say these words. I love every one of you with all my heart. And I appreciate uh, you allowing me to serve alongside of you. And appreciate you allowing me the last almost six years to serve in this position as your lead pastor and trusting me um, when I never would have done it if I was you at all. Uh, trusting me at the age then, as time flies, 24 years old, to become your lead pastor. Again, I say thank you. Um, but more than anything, I say thank you, King Jesus, um, for what you have accomplished through lives that have been changed. And regardless of what anybody says, anything that is done, you can never take away the souls who are saved for all of eternity. And I give glory to Almighty God for what he has done. And I will just say this publicly, because you never know on this side of eternity when your last day will be. I thank God for how he's changed my life. Thank God for how he saved my soul when I was a young man, the age of eight years old, when he came knocking on my heart and showed me that I was in desperate, desperate need of a Savior. By the way, that's every single one of us. We're in desperate need of a saving God. That's why Jesus came and died for us. I thank God that on that day that I trusted him and my life has never been the same. And he is constantly, through the Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, he is constantly changing my life on a day-to-day -day basis, making me more and more into the man of God he wants me to be. Here's my challenge for you. This ain't the sermon, okay? This is just extra appetizer. Don't ever get to that place in your life where the Spirit of God and the Word of God does not make you more and more into the person that Almighty God wants you to be. Don't ever get to a place where your heart's so hard that the Word of God and the Spirit of God cannot have any effect any longer. Acts chapter number 28. I love this text. Just two verses. Somebody say amen right there. Just two verses. I figured on my last sermon with you, we'd go out just by preaching two verses today. Acts chapter number 28. I love this passage of Scripture. If you've read through the book of Acts before, no doubt many of you have. Um, in fact, here we've preached... The entire book, I believe it took us almost 12 to 15 months to preach through this entire book, but it's really Luke writing a sequel to his gospel record. And in this sequel, he gives us a story of really three main characters, one by the name of Peter, and Jesus chooses to build the foundation of the New Testament church on this gentleman by the name of Peter. And then as we discussed last Sunday morning, we were introduced to a gentleman by the name of Stephen who becomes the first deacon of the New Testament church and eventually the first martyr. And in between the life lessons from Stephen and the Apostle Paul, we learn about the ministry of Philip, the conversion of Saul, we see the gospel making its way not just to the Jewish nation, but also to the Gentiles. James is beheaded for his faith, and then eventually Paul's missionary ministry is launched. And that brings us here to the end, as some say, of Paul's life in Acts chapter number 28. And it seems here that Luke almost just kind of quits writing in the middle of his sequel. 
And even though we have discussed Peter, we've talked about Stephen, we talked just a little bit this morning about Philip, and the good majority of the book of Acts is about the Apostle Paul, don't be distracted by those Bible characters. The main theme of the book of Acts is Jesus. I'm going to have to say that again. I'm preaching two verses, but I can make those two verses long, okay? (laughs) The main theme, the main subject of the book of Acts, even though it's full of Bible characters and it's full of churches, the main theme is Jesus. What does that mean for us? There's a lot of people in this room, people listening online today. The goal is for this room to be so full in the future that we have to have two and three services. Can I get a witness right there? That's the ultimate goal, but regardless of how many people make up the assembly of Eastwood Baptist Church, the main thing, the main subject will always be Jesus Christ. Same thing in your life. I know we've got kids. Thank God for mine today. We've got grandkids. We have spouses we love, but still, yet the main thing in all of our lives will always be Jesus Christ. So we've seen all these events, the details of these people's lives. We've seen ultimately ultimately Jesus working through their lives. But at the end of this book, there are some unanswered questions. Let us read the text there in Acts 28, verse number 30. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house, and he received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Now, wait a minute, Luke. How could you stop the sequel to your gospel record right there with just those words? Here's my questions. What in the world happens to Paul? What happens to the rest of these Bible characters, Peter and Philip and some of these others that we have mentioned here today? It seems again that Luke just stops his writing in the middle of this sequel, but he does it for a very intense purpose. I believe the reason that Luke chooses to kind of stop writing here in this sequel account is because he wants us to learn that the story of the church is still being written. He wants us to realize that the story of the church is not over yet. There's still a whole lot more to be accomplished. You see, Peter, Stephen, and Paul, they were just the beginning of the church. And Luke's purpose here in ending this narrative this way was to challenge you and to challenge me to pick up where they left off. How did they leave off? Making Jesus king over all things. So he is challenging us to continue the story of the acts of Jesus according to the church. Note here that I've always thought how awesome it would be to have my name recorded in God's word to be read by the world which would soon follow my life. And in a way, Luke's writing in the book of Acts here gives us that opportunity. He leaves the end of the book of Acts for open for us to pick up where he's left off. He leaves the end of Acts open for us to write the rest of the history concerning the church age. So what a responsibility you have. What a responsibility that I have to write the history of God's people between the apostolic age and the second coming of Christ. If I was to ever have the privilege to give an addition to a translation of the Bible, I just might take these words and place them in bold letters at the end of Acts chapter number 28. To be continued. That's the story of this church. That's the story of my ministry today. To be continued. So we have to make up our mind and we have to decide what it's going to look like from this point until Jesus 
returns. Here's what I do know. Jesus made a promise, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So can we agree? We know what Jesus wants to do today, don't we? He wants to save souls. Anyone who is willing to call upon his name, he will save them and redeem them and set them free. So we know what he wants to do. So we must make up our minds about what kind of story we're going to write from this moment until the moment Jesus calls us home. So if we have this awesome privilege and opportunity to pick up where Luke leaves off in Acts chapter number 28, what kind of story are we going to write? First of all, we should proclaim a story of provision. A story of how God provides for his people. If you were to go back in verse number one and begin reading in chapter number 28, you'll learn that Paul and the Roman Navy, they've been shipwrecked just like Paul predicted they would. All 276 of them, they make it safely to this island called Malta floating on broken pieces of a ship. The people of this island, to their surprise, they welcome these sailors here with great hospitality. And Paul makes a decision under the power of the Spirit of God. He heals the chief's father, and then they bring the rest of their sick people to Paul, and under the power of God, he heals them as well. So Acts chapter number 28 kind of begins like an episode of the series Lost. If you're not familiar with that TV series, then you can think of the Tom Hanks movie, Castaway. That's kind of what's occurring in the beginning of Acts chapter number 28. But amidst all of this action, we learn a valuable lesson. God will always make provisions for his people. They sang so beautifully about it already this morning. I'm trying to say it to you a second time, probably a third time, somewhere in this sermon. In case you have not gotten it yet, God will always make provision for his people. So if we are to write a story, if we are to pick up where Luke left off, we ought to pick up just praising him every single day of our lives that we have clothes on our back and food on our table. We ought to pick up every single day of our lives thanking God for our families, thanking God for our churches, thanking God for our military and our great country in which we live. We ought to pick up writing a story about how awesome our God is and about how he always provides for his people. That's exactly what this book does. Tells us that our God is a providing God, a God of provision. Throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, it teaches us He always provided for the people of God. You think back to the very beginning when God makes a a provision for an exit there in that Passover in Exodus chapter number 12 and then also as his people are in Egyptian slavery he eventually gives them the opportunity to walk across the Red Sea on dry ground to escape Pharaoh and his army who has this desire to ultimately destroy the people of God sometimes in life God will make a provision for your exit In Acts chapter 28 here in verse number 1, in the very beginning of that verse, it says these words, when they were escaped. So what exactly did Paul and this Roman army escape? They escaped a hurricane in the middle of the ocean that wanted to destroy their lives. I'm trying to tell you something that you haven't heard yet. God always makes provision for his people. Whether it's provision from physical harm, whether it's provision from spiritual harm, whether, whether it's provision in just meeting your needs, God always makes provisions for his people. If the church today was to pick up and start writing a story, they should write a story 
of provision. Think back to the Old Testament as well, a man by the name of Elijah who needed a refuge, who needed a shelter because a wicked queen by the name of Jezebel had desired in her heart to kill all of God's men and all of God's people. He was running. God puts him in a cave and just hides him out for a little bit. In Acts chapter 28, same verse, verse number one in the middle of that verse, passage instructs us that this island in which Paul and this Roman navy take refuge was titled the island of Malta. You know what the name Malta means? It means refuge or shelter. What about that? Isn't that just like the spirit of God to land Paul in one of the most destructive times of his life. I mean, he's in chains. He's shipwrecked now for the fourth time. He's got almost 200 Roman Navy officials guarding over his life. Paul needs a refuge. He needs a shelter. And isn't it just like God to place him on a island that even carries the name Malta, refuge, shelter? It reminds me of the psalmist. The 46th Psalm in verse number one who said this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In another place, in the 91st Psalm in verse two, the Bible says this, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. So sometimes in life, God will make a provision for your exit. Sometimes he will make a provision to provide a refuge and a shelter for you, but sometimes he'll do for you like he did for Joseph. He'll give you provisions from an unexpected source. Joseph had provisions from someone by the name of Potiphar, who we all suspected the first time we read the story, Potiphar probably would have killed Joseph, but not when God's in the middle of that situation and not when God is in control. In a similar fashion here, we would think that the natives of Malta would kill Paul in this Roman navy who has been shipwrecked, yet they do something very mysterious. They meet their needs and they show them, as the text says, much kindness. So I'm here to tell you, sometimes when God meets your needs, sometimes he'll do it in such a way as to help you escape one situation and enter into another. Sometimes he'll provide a refuge. Sometimes he'll provide a shelter. And sometimes he'll just do the miraculous and he'll take care of you in a scene of life in which you never thought it possible. He will make provisions from an unexpected source. So we should write a story about God's provisions. We should also write a story telling about how God is still gonna continue to provide for us. When God instructed the children of Israel about how they were to raise their families, here's what he said. You tell your kids, you tell your grandkids about how I provided for you. God, why should we do such a thing? Because when we instruct our children and the generations that come after us about how God has provided for us, it tells them that he can do the same for them as well. And there's a whole generation. Oh, I'm going to preach right here. There's a whole generation coming up after us who have failed to see God's provisions because all we do is gripe and complain about God's provisions. We get to that place in our life where we focus so much on the valley that we forget to focus on our provision, Jesus Christ and all his glory and his righteousness. Not only should this story of provision tell about how God has met our needs and how he will continue to do so, but it should also be a storytelling about how we will provide for others. Watch this now. Verse three, 
it says that Paul gathers a bundle of sticks and he places them on this fire so that these natives, so that Paul, so that this Roman navy could be warm from these cold and rainy conditions. This speaks of Paul's servant attitude. Here's a man who's got these chains around him. His enemies are sitting right next to him in this campfire. And this campfire starts getting low. He probably looks at these natives. He probably looks at his enemies and they start shivering a little bit. Nobody's going to be brave enough to go out into the woods by themselves, gather up a bundle of sticks and throw it on the fire. But here's Paul, the prisoner, the one least likely to help everyone else. He gets up. And he goes into the woods, grabs a bundle of sticks, throws it on the fire and says, here's my role. Here's my ministry to serve you. Those I love, those I know, those I don't know, and those that hate my guts. Here in this text was the Roman Navy. This shows us again Paul's servant attitude. How do we know where Paul gets this servant attitude from. He gets it from his Lord and his Savior, Jesus. Mark's gospel said this about Christ, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By the way, the closer we follow to Jesus, the more like Jesus we will be. The closer we get to Christ, the more like his servant heart we will have. And then in verse 7 through 9, as we have said today, Paul heals this chief's father. He heals all the other people in this island who are sick. He makes provisions for them because he learns that God has provided for him. He chooses to bless others because God has chosen to bless him. So again, if we as a modern day church are to write a story that is to be continued, we should write a story of provision, telling the world, God has provided for us, but also telling the world that God will continue to provide for us. Number two, not only should we proclaim a story of provision, but in verses 11 through 16, we should pin a story of promise. Now Paul and these 200 plus sailors, they abide at this island for three months. And they wait on the brutality of winter to pass while they're waiting on this island stranded. And God chooses by his power to make provisions for Paul. And we want to mention these provisions at this moment because a provision always comes before a fulfillment to a promise. Without provision, you never see the promise fulfilled. And without the promise, you would never even expect a provision in the first place. So the people of this island, they provide Paul and they provide this crew with needed supplies and even another ship to get to their destination, which was Rome. You read the book of Acts before we make it to the end of this sequel here. You see Paul saying something over and over and over and over in his ministry. I had this most desire to share the gospel at Rome. And God uses some natives, some barbarians on this island of Malta when it seems like all hope was lost of Paul ever making it to Rome. God uses these islanders to provide another ship to carry Paul to his mission. What is this story all about? It's a story of God keeping his promise to Paul. Watch the text there. Acts chapter 18, verse number 10. Paul is in Corinth. And while he's in Corinth, Jesus comes to him. And don't you know this to be true? Jesus always has the right words to say. Can I get a witness? Jesus says a simple little sentence to Paul. Paul, I am with 
you. Now, that's not just some little phrase that we need to skip over. That's a promise straight from the throne of heaven. So while Paul is on his journey to reach the ends of the earth, which eventually involves Rome, we learn that Jesus promises to always be by his side. By the way, that's a promise Jesus makes to you as well. The psalmist said that he's never seen the righteous forsaken. The psalmist also instructs us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And by the way, if he never left Paul's side, if he never left Peter's side, if he never left Stephen's side, he'll never leave your side either. Can I get a witness today? Thank God for that. Jesus' presence was with Paul on this journey. And I think back to the Great Commission which is some of the most powerful words that Jesus himself ever spoke. And he instructed us, he challenged us. In fact, he commanded us to go and make disciples. But at the very end of that great commission, here's what Jesus says to you and he says to me today, I'm with you always. Can we just be simple? That means even when you don't feel like he's with you, he's with you. Jesus was with Paul in his journey of life. He'll be with you in your journey of life as well. But here's another promise that he kept to Paul. He kept the promise of allowing Paul to reach his final destination. Now, he didn't have to, but he did allow Paul to reach his final destination. Later in life, as we've read through Acts before together, Paul's locked away in this cold, dark, lonely dungeon. Seems to be forgotten about. In fact, he's even feeling sorry for himself. And then he has this vision of reaching Rome at some point in his life. And Jesus shows up in that place. Can I just testify, when you feel like you're in a dungeon all along, you feel like you're in the darkest scenario of your life, Jesus will eventually show up as he did with the Apostle Paul. When Jesus gets down in that dark dungeon with Paul, here's what Jesus says to him in Acts 23, verse number 11. Be of good cheer, Paul. You've told everyone in Jerusalem about me, and you will do the same in Rome. You know what this promise was? This was a promise to Paul that, Paul, you will reach your final destination. And we know that he eventually did, because in Acts chapter number 28, in verse number 16, it says these words, and when they came to Rome. Let's make it plain and simple. Is there anybody in here who's thankful that because of Jesus, one day you're going to reach your final destination? Read in my Bible how God has made that promise to us and how we know because he has kept every promise prior, he will keep every promise that is still to come. In Revelation chapter number 22, the very last book of our Bible, in verse number 20, Jesus says this, this is a promise straight from the throne of heaven, I am coming quickly. That means he's on his way right now. And if we know he's on his way, we know he's eventually going to get here. Pastor, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you that just like Paul made it to Rome, one day we're going to make it to our final destination, a destination which involves us seeing our king face to face, eyeball to eyeball. So if this story of the church is to be continued, meaning that we're writing the history of the church right now with the lives that we lead, then this story should be a story of promise. We should be able to stand up and testify that God has always kept his promises before and therefore God will always keep his promises in the future. Thirdly and in closing, not only should we proclaim a story of provision and pen a story of promise, thirdly we should publish a story of preaching. Preaching. 
verses 17 through 31, Paul has had this desire his entire life to make it to Rome, but to make it to Rome for a very specific purpose. When he finally gets there, he does what he knows to do. He starts preaching the gospel. Although singing is important, and there's a time and place for that for sure. Thank God for the good worship and good singing today. Thank God for Paul and Silas's testimony of the good worship experience they had in a prior imprisonment. Although singing is important, that's not what Paul does here in the most critical moment of his life. He preaches the gospel. Although collecting an offering, man, we need it. Money is important. Uh, that's not what Paul does here. He could have used some change in his pockets. He could have used a couple dollars here and there to get himself something to eat, but that's not what he chooses to do. He chooses to do the most important thing he can do. He preaches the gospel. Although hosting events, setting up times of fellowship, all these things are needed and are important. Paul does none of those. He preaches the gospel here because preaching isn't the only thing that we will do, but it is the one thing we must do above all else. Preach the gospel of Christ. When Noah began building the ark, he built while he was preaching. When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he told Jonah to go there and to preach. When John the Baptist came out of the wilderness crying for the multitudes to repent, he came from the wilderness preaching. When Jesus began his public ministry, he preached. When the church in Acts was established, it was built on preaching. And when Paul received his mandate from Almighty God, God told him to preach. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this further. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.21 For after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Titus 1 verse 3 But God has in due times manifested his word through preaching. Paul instructed young Timothy preach the word. So here's the question. Why in the world do we preach? First and foremost because that's God's program for saving men's souls. That's God's program for making sure we all reach our final destination. That's God's program for making sure every one of us make it to heaven someday, not by our own merits, not by our church attendance, not by what clothes we had or didn't have, but by what Jesus Christ alone has done for us. We preach because it's God's program for bringing people to himself, for saving men's souls, but we do not preach because all will believe, because here's a news flash for us. All will not believe. Verse 27 of this text, Paul was preaching his guts out. I mean, he had waited for this moment his entire life. He is finally in front of the Roman people with this opportunity to preach the gospel. He does not preach because he knows all will be saved that day. Here's why he preaches. He preaches because he knows some will be saved that day. The text says in verse 24 and verse 28 that some heard his message and some believed. Can I encourage you, Eastwood? Not everybody you minister to is going to get it, sadly. Not every service that you have is going to be a barn burner where they're swinging from the chandeliers. It's just not logical. It just doesn't happen like that every single week. But here's the truth for you. Whenever you feel like you're just kind of there, 
whenever you can't feel the spirit moving in your own heart, whenever the preacher may seem like he's just off that day and not on his game, or maybe the singing just don't sound like you think it ought to, here's what I want to encourage your heart with. Somebody is hearing from God in that setting. Somebody is doing business with Almighty God in that setting. Every time we gather together does not mean that every single individual is always going to have a God experience. By the way, I've noticed, oh, I'm just going to say this. I've noticed when I come into a church where God's moving and he does not speak to me, usually I've got sin in my life. I'll just testify right there. That's what the scriptures instruct us with. But by the way, on another note, God's always moving. He's always doing something, and just because you do not get it does not mean others won't. Preach comes from that Greek word caruso, which means to proclaim divine truth, to preach, and to publish. If we are to publish a story which picks up at the end of Acts chapter number 28 here in the book of Acts, it must be a story of preaching. A story where the word of God is proclaimed. It's not the only thing that we will do, but it is the one thing we must do. So what kind of story are we going to continue to write? It's to be continued. It's for you to decide. I've got to decide what kind of story I'm going to write with my family, with my ministry. Again, I said this to open up the sermon today. Jesus has already got it all planned out. His goal is to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But he's not going to force himself on nobody. I say this humbly and as encouraging as I can. There's local churches that close their doors every single day. The global church of Christ will never die. That's what Jesus was emphasizing there when he said, I'll build my church. But local churches close their doors every day because they choose to not include Christ. I don't think that's happening here. don't think that will happen here. But let me say this as a form of encouragement. Do not ever let Jesus be absent from this place. What kind of story are we going to write? It should be a story in which we proclaim the provisions of Almighty God. It should be a story in which we pen the promises of Almighty God, in which we are thankful, show gratitude for his promises every day, and we instruct our children and the generations that come after us concerning the promises of Almighty God. Finally, it should be a story published upon the preaching of the word of God. Why is preaching so important? Because that's the only way you got saved. That's the only way I got saved. That's the only way any man, woman, boy, or girl will ever be saved. By the way, let's throw this in there. Preaching happens in song a lot of times as well. In closing, what story are you writing? When your kids, your grandkids hear about your life, after you're dead, after you're gone, and I pray that's a long, long time for now, what kind of story will be heard? Will they say that you were a man or a woman that built your life on God's provisions, on his promises, and on the word of God? I hope so. Publicly, corporately, as a church, what kind of story is Eastwood going to write from this day forward? story of your future it's still to be written you're going to have the privilege to write it each and every single day and here's the challenge when we are dead 
and gone and Eastwood remains long after we make it into eternity what story will be told by those who live on without us pastor I don't want to think about that you must think about that because guess who it's going to be that comes in after you your kids your grandkids your great grandkids your great great grandkids and so on and so on and so on what kind of story are we going to write for them Let us close in prayer, asking God to make sure that we write a story that is surrounding the ultimate theme of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this day, the privilege just to preach from this text, this series of sermons that you placed on our heart for our last days here. God, I pray you'd help me first as a man of God, as a pastor, as a father, as a husband. Lord, help me to publish a story of the Word of God in my own life every single day. Help me, Lord, to write a story knowing that my life is to be continued, a story that will be founded on your provisions and will, because you've provided for me, I'll make the decision to make provisions for others. God, finally, a story which I just claim and cling to the promises of Almighty God. Father, I pray that same prayer for every individual in this room. God, I pray that same prayer corporately for this church body. I want to see awesome, great things done in this place. God, I even pray publicly that there's times in our lives where sometimes we just need to step aside and allow you, oh God, to do what you want to do. Father, when those times come, I pray we'd all have the wisdom to do so. Lord, I thank you for the cross of Christ. It's offered a sure and steadfast salvation. God, I thank you for your resurrection that has brought victory to every aspect, every scenario of our lives. Help us to live the truth of the gospel today. As we all stand, we just challenge you to reflect for a moment. They're going to sing here in just a second, but I don't even want you to consider anything else right now other than what God is saying to you as an individual, challenging you with the rest of your life. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, Justin, man, I've lived most of my life. It does not matter. As long as you have breath within your lungs, God still has a purpose for you. Your purpose is to bring glory to his name and to point others to his saving grace. So I know Jesus is speaking to every single one of us in this room, challenging us, what kind of story are you going to write for the rest of your lives? And he's challenging this corporate body, Eastwood. What kind of story are you going to write as a church? Maybe you just want to, as they begin to sing, maybe you want to pray where you're at, maybe you want to come to this altar. But I challenge you, if you need to talk to God, if you need to ask for his help, if you just need to come and show him gratitude, now's the time for that as we begin to sing, guys. There is coming a day when no sorrow shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore what a day glorious day
that will be what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land what a day glorious day that will be Sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness and no pain, and no more parting over there. And forever I'm gonna be with the only one who ever died for me. What a day! please for just a moment you know in the life of a of a minister who's called there comes a time when he responds to that call and for me I was 12 years old and I knew from that point on that God was calling me to a ministry that that not everyone would be involved in and not everyone would understand 
we have we have folks that have been we have men that have been called to to uh, preaching ministry. We have some that have been called to missionary service. We have some that have, have been called to uh, to be lay preachers. We have some that have been called to work in uh, uh, correction facilities. Some who serve as chaplains in the military. Uh, there are all kinds of different areas that God calls men to give their life to. And some of them spend their entire life in full-time service for the Lord. Some, as I said, are lay ministers. Uh, but every single one of us deal with following the Spirit of Almighty God. And sometimes that takes us to places that we have no clue where that's going to be or what that's going to be like. We step out on faith, some head towards seminary, some head toward a, a, a time of waiting. But every one of us does that in, in, with an understanding that we can't do anything else. We have to respond to God in His timing, to His place, for whatever length of time it might be, and, and for whatever that looks like. God calls men also into the music ministry. And they are as committed and called and dedicated as those that preach in these different locations. What we want to do this morning is, oh, oh, and our spouses as well. The call that's placed on them is enormous. Their calling is to raise our children and to support and stand there with us in the good and the bad and to be there. They may not be seen, they may not be heard, but believe me, they're there. And what we want to do this morning is, is take just a moment. And first of all, if you're in this building today and God has placed that call on you and you answered, whether you're full-time, whether you're retired, whether you're a lay preacher, whatever it is that God has called you to be in full-time Christian service at some point in time and you said yes. And if your spouse is with you, would you come up here and just come on this stage with me for just a moment. If God has called you into ministry and if your spouse will come with you, bring her. If the spouse isn't here, that's fine. If you're in this building and God has called you and you responded to ministry, I want you to come. Bring your spouse. Justin, I want, I want you and Sydney down here in the front. We're going to come down here and surround you guys. Take Maddox if, he, if, he, if he's willing to come. <laughs> At that age, we, we know how, how it happens. We want you to know, Justin, that every, and Sydney, every single person that's standing up here knows where you're at. We've been there, and we know what God has in store. Amen? Amen? Where's our music guy? Get up here. Bring your spouse. If God has called you, if, you play, if he's placed that call on you, Pastor, we want you to know that you're not alone in this. We've been there. 
that we're going to come down in a moment and we're going to surround you as a representative not only of God's call on your life, but as a representative of this church, representatives of this church, as we covet to pray for you and to ask God's special blessings. Would you folks do that? Just, just go down there among them. I tell you what, there's a lot of hours of struggle and weeping and joy and everything that goes on to being in ministry in these folks that you see down here. If you'd allow me to pray over them at this moment in their future. Almighty God, we come to you in a time that few men understand. Few men and women have the the opportunity and, and, and the privilege and the blessing and the suffering and all the stuff that goes on with it to respond yes to you and to be in the center of your will. And Father, that's a tough place to be and you know it. And yet you've called us and you've told us that you would see us through. We pray this morning on behalf of, of Justin and Sydney and Maddox. And Father, we ask that you not only would bless them in their daily lives and their needs and their provisions, but Father, you would just help them understand that the road that they're on is the right road because it's a road that you have directed. And that Father, whatever happens, wherever they go, whatever they do, whatever they say, if they say yes to you, it's the right road. It's the right time. It's the right place. And you'll place in our path the right people. Father, we as a church acknowledge that our pastor has led us in directions that we never, we, we, we never knew that's where you wanted us to go. And because your man of God was obedient to, us, to you, that he was able to instruct us in the way that you would have us to go. Father, we've been blessed, we are blessed, and we'll continue to be blessed by the ministry of Justin and Sydney, how they've touched our lives. We rejoice in that. We look forward to great things here and there. Father, might we be stronger because of their obedience to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, a word of instruction as to what's going to take place next. We're going to have a reception. We're going to have a time of uh, fellowship. We're going to have uh, some food to eat. We're going to get to hug on their necks. And Ellen is going to take uh, Sydney and... Justin and Maddox, and they're going to head back toward the fellowship hall now. And you're going to come back. You're going to go with us in a moment, hopefully, and stay with us and in, enjoy that fellowship. Remember, visitors, if you're here, uh, there's a gift back there for you as well. There's only one announcement that I would have you pay attention to, and that's the one about the women's ministry. Heather, where are you? Are you still here? Do you want to come and, and Give a quick word. If you don't, I'll, I'll do it. Okay. There is a women's mis ministry. I started to say mystery. That's probably more accurate, yeah. 
a, 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 woman, a women's ministry testimony and praise service this Saturday, uh, November the 16th, 9.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. And ladies, I encourage you to come and be there for that time of, of praise and worship. I've asked uh, Dave Daniels if he'll come and lead us in a prayer that will uh, bless our service, our uh, uh, whatever they just said we're going to go do, eat to the meal. And we're going to go eat. And if you'll stand and join us in that prayer, and thank you for being here, and we hope that you stay and enjoy. You get, you'll get to hug on their neck back there, and it'll be a great time of fellowship. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, Father, with a thankful heart, Lord God, for your many blessings. Father, we thank you for this place that we have here to come to worship you in truth and in spirit, Lord Father, that we call your house. And Father, we just pray, Lord God, that, Father, that the days to come, Lord Father, that you would be the main subject of everything that's said and done here, Lord Father, as it always has been. And Father, let us not lose focus on who you are and what you're capable of, Lord Father. We thank you and we love you for all that you do, Lord Father. We ask you, Lord, you just to bless this food we're about to receive, Lord Father. We ask you, Lord, that you bless the fellowship. Father, we ask you, Lord, you just continue to bless the lives of everyone here, Lord Father, and just let us seek you and honor you and praise you in all things. And Father, we ask you, Lord Father, as we go back here today, Lord Father, that we just love on our pastors and his family as they leave, Lord Father. We just pray, God, the leadership on their life, Lord Father, and the blessings, Lord Father, on their life. And God, just let us all go back and let them know how much we love them and appreciate them and how much we're going to support them in our prayers and everything that they might stand in need of, Lord. And God, we just ask you, Lord, to continue to bless this day. Help us to all be mindful of who you are to love you, Lord Father, and to honor you with all that we have and all that we know. We thank you and we love you and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 